When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. It is the instant match reaction for Leeds United 1, Everton 2. Uh, this football team continues to bewilder. But credit to these lads and this manager, they've gone away in a game. No one gave them a chance in and they got the three points. Joining me to have a chat about it all, we've got Dave Downey, who's not got his flat cap on, uh, despite the success tonight. I'm sure there'll be a few disappointed viewers on that. And Mark Moosey and Rob Vera, who've come very smartly dressed for the occasion with shirts and jumpers on. Um, obviously, a, a very important form on night, lads. Yeah, it's like, it's like that one game of the season where where someone, you know, will get you in the executive lounge just just for that one game that you, you're really not that asked about. And, and tonight was ours, yeah, but... Um, I, I don't know. Executive formal attire, I think, is is the way that the show really should be going. Um, f- feel free to to join suit there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Dave, what, what's happened to the cap? Me and Les did promise our viewers we wanted it on, and there's a lot of probably a lot of disappointed people. Probably a lot of people turning off actually, even though Everton did win. <laughs> um, I'm only going to bring it out for special occasions, and, and away wins seem to be quite the norm <laughs> for us. So I'm going to leave it for the home win. Next time we win a home, I'll wear the cap, um, which, judging on current form, could be next season. So uh, I might stop up on a few <laughs> different caps to surprise people with. Uh, but yeah, how good was that? Uh, what a win for the lads. Um, like I said, I don't think anyone really gave us going into that. You know, I certainly thought, and based on what we saw earlier in the season, that Leeds were a bit of a nightmare matchup for this Everton side. But like I said, Rob, he's a team to surprise, don't they? And he went there and you know, it was a bit ropey and ragged at the end, but I think the, the first half performance and the way Everton played in the first half was probably warranted them getting over the lines. I, I certainly don't think you have to argue it too strenuously uh, that, that Everton deserved the three points. And, and oh, I think wow. some... uh, sorry to just stop you there, Rob. Um, it, Liverpool nil, Brighton won. Oh yeah, we yeah we were just talking about that before. Oh, for yeah. God's what, sake! I thought I was surprising everyone there. <laughs> is it is it full time? No, there's still twenty odd oh. minutes left, so there's probably a few. Oh, so that'll it. that'll be three one, three one, three one. Yeah. Where have you gone, Matt? You've disappeared off the chat now. Ian, I'm back again. Who's oh, bothered okay. about Dan? Let's just forget about Dan. Who gives a shit? We just want to leave tonight for the probably like the fourth time in 120 years or something. So. Yeah, go on, Rob. Carry on. Wow, well, uh, my wheels have been totally shot off there. Um, yeah, so, no, I, look, I I don't think 
I think sometimes, uh, and we've talked about this uh, recently in regards to kind of the way in which we analyze games by kind of talking about the, uh, oops, sorry, talking about the sort of beauty contest of the performative aspect of it versus the result. And I think this is one of those ones where I, we, we didn't play great for, for some stretches of the second half and they put us under pressure, but it was our ability to, you know, once we conceded the goal to respond the way that we did in terms of getting control um, and, and, uh, and obviously that, that came part and parcel with individual players having to come up big in some key moments, whether it was, uh, the, the, to me, I could argue the man of the match flurry of saves that Robin Olson had on that one sequence, which may or, you know, may put to bed some of this notion that Olson is sort of the unspectacular keeper option versus, uh, someone like Pickford. Um, but, but I think all around, uh, you, you had, you know, other than the goal itself, you had some really key defensive performances. I think even as you noted, Matt, on, on Twitter, the, even guys like Richarlison, who I still want to get going with the goals. I think he played better this week than he's played in a while in terms of, you know, the engagement, the physicality and kind of being more, uh, more into the game itself. But I'm like you, I, I didn't really feel great about our chances today because if this was a sport where you had to play a, a, a another team, you know, playoff scenario, uh, best of seven or best of five or what have you, I wouldn't want to play leads at all. Like I'm glad
uh, commanding the air is something that Yari Mina does in the box really well. But I think there were a load of great defensive performances today, but, but especially getting to see Ben Godfrey back in the side where he should always be, regardless of what position Carlo wants to put him at. Uh, I, I thought those were a couple of highlights for me today. Uh, what about you, Moose? Your initial thoughts after that? Um, you're someone who's usually quite calm in the last stages of gamers when we're trying to hold on to things, probably calmer yeah. than, than most blues. Were you, were you feeling that way in this one? No, absolutely not. No, there, there was nothing about... I think it was just the setup of the game. Um, I know that everyone on planet Earth has mentioned it, but I think the pitch was really contributing to it as well. It, it, it just led to a, a generally erratic football match. I imagine it was a, a wonderful one to watch as a neutral, but when, you're, when your team is clinging on and it feels as though... I know that a lot of Premier League games exist on, in particular, certain moments at the moment. I mean, it, 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 to me, felt like that moment was going to be a sloppy slip in our own 18-yard box that gave away a, a penalty for a tackle that we weren't actually trying to make it. It just felt as though that the game was on such a knife edge that something like that was going to happen to Everton. But there is something about this side whereby the the kind of go-to state of panic that Everton are so adept at achieving in, in the latter stages of games, there that, that does seem a more general state of calm and intelligence about how we play out the last few minutes of games. Uh, I, I appreciate that that will come back to bite us at, at multiple games as we go <laughs> the season, but in particular, the, the, the one player who I always point this at is Mason Holgate. He always does the correct thing in the last 10 or 15 minutes of a game just to buy a bit of time, just to take a bit of the edge off, off a, an opposition attack. I mean, the, the two I'd point to today is winning a throw-in right up in the opposition um, in the opposition third when we were under a little bit of pressure at that stage of the game. Just a little bit of intelligence when it, he kind of lent into a tackle a little bit too much in our, in our right-back position. And he just hauls the opposition player down with him. And we all know what he's doing, but he makes it look like that sort of clumsy fall and buys a, a goal kick. And he, he's not the only one. It, it, it just looks as though we're just more capable at winning games. And I know it's, it's incredibly reductive to say this about Carlo Ancelotti because he's brought so much to the football club. But the fact that we are able to talk about an Everton side who've won four successive away Premier League games is totally alien to what any of us have ever known. And I appreciate that that has probably come at the, the kind of fallen by the wayside of some pretty imperious home form, which we've seen over the last few seasons. But I think we, we were all ready to kind of make that sacrifice a little bit just to see if we had the resilience that Rob mentioned going away from home. Because ultimately, games like Leeds United away on a Wednesday night, there were Everton turned from a top four or six team into purely a top half team because they are totally the type of fixtures that we've been absolutely not in the races at in, in previous seasons. And, and that's where all of our promise of being that sort of more elite level of the Premier League football club has totally deteriorated in recent years. Um, just to touch on a couple of points that Rob said, I think the the main feature of, in particular, the second half to, for me tonight was how, I know we've spoken long and hard about set pieces this year and, and how much of a problem we cause going forward, but we are imperious in the air at the back. And every time that ball comes into, be it Yerry Mina, Godfrey, Holgate, Keane, whoever it is, we look so comfortable with dare I say it, almost on the back foot. And I know this was a big talking point in the Leicester game about 
how Everton semi-thrive on being that team who accept a little bit of pressure. And as much as it looks a little bit daft when it does ultimately lead to a goal, when you see how, how resilient and how strong they are at the back, you can kind of buy into the game plan of accepting just that little bit of pressure, not being too careless with it. But I think tonight we, we'd obviously put the opposition goal down to a best <coughs> but the individual errors were, were there to be seen in that particular moment. But as much as we'll go on to talk about individual players and a few of those defenders will come into it, I fail to think of a better central midfield performance than the one we saw from Abdelai Decore tonight. I thought he was unbelievable. We've not seen anything like that from a central midfielder at Everton since it's a, probably a toss-up between Fellaini and the early days of Andre Gomez. He just totally ran the show. And I think that the, the main critique that you'd have had going into this game and the main fear as an Evertonian would have been how mobile Leeds are as a side, how they are going to show that mobility for the entire 90 minutes and have Everton got the legs across their midfield to do that. I honestly, they didn't need to have the legs across the midfield tonight because Abdelai Decore just offered it all. Brilliant on the ball as well, I thought, his decision-making when he went forward, finding Dominic Calvert-Lewin a couple of times. He was just all-round fantastic um, and just the, the exact type of midfield performance you need to go away to a side who, on paper, look really tricky and just pretty much dispatch them. Um, I think he was the epitome of, of Everton's great result tonight. Yeah, uh, Dave, before I come to you, there's a lot of uh, comments disappointed about the hat not being on. A lot of people have only said they, they came here for the hat. I'm not even joking here. There is there is a lot. There's a lot of people unhappy <laughs> about the lack of hats. I mean, it would have been quite fitting as well after we just beaten a Yorkshire side, wouldn't it, for you to have a, have a classic Yorkshire flat cap on? Uh, but, but what are, what are your thoughts on, on that one after me after that one, mate? Do you know what? I was going to say left there pulling the hair out, but uh, there's not much left, and it would have suited me to have the cap. It was that that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know? I felt like there were some times where we we've done things that Everton have done in the past that that didn't surprise me, and that is invite a little bit of pressure on ourselves. I mean, for as good as as Holgate, I, I completely agree with Mark's point about Holgate. I completely agree with the stats backed point about Mina too. But there were, there were sort of a couple of, well, three occasions really. Olsen saves as well all come from an Olsen mistake uh, where he tries to pass it like a 40-yard ball out straight through the middle of the pitch, which is ludicrous at the time, but he makes up for it with the save. Um, Holgate again, imperious, up to the point where he decides to rag held across the shirt with a couple of minutes to go. Yeah. That that made me wince a little bit. And Yeri you know, Mina also, yeah. also did the same um, with, with a foul he gave in the exact same area. And as confident as I am with balls getting sl- slinged into the box, it's still one that gets your heartbeat going, isn't it, when when you've got just a few minutes to go? But I, I think that might be being a little bit too picky. Um, for me, nobody's mentioned him yet, but Andre Gomez I thought was superb. Um, mm-hmm. Decore probably takes that. If, if you're going for a man of the match, I can't see any way past Ben Godfrey, but probably in a second Decore, in, in a noble third place, it has to be. Gomez because the fitness looked like it was there, the confidence with him on the ball looked like it was there as well, and I just I just felt calm when he had the ball. I felt like he made the right decisions. I felt like he burst forwards when he needed to. And we're looking at a lad here that that lasted pretty much the full ninety, uh, and somebody were writing off even in a fitness capacity. What less than a fortnight ago? So <coughs> excuse me. Um, I felt I felt like there was a real solid midfield performance and. 
I mean, there was so there's some there's some Everton things that I don't think will ever die, and that is like we we were imperious in the first half to a man. I thought we were superb. We handled everything leads through it was the only thing. I was sat there at half-time thinking, how are we not three or four nil up here? Um, not that we had clear-cut chances, but I felt we had enough in terms of decent chances to put a couple more away. And then Dom gets his goal, and I'm thinking, that's it. Floodgates are open, and then misses an absolute sitter through the core. He's hard work in the second half. So, I mean, it, it, it was a strange game in many ways. Very entertaining game to watch. I'm, I'm completely with Mark. I've got a couple of friends who are Reds. I'm not going to call them Reds anymore because they decided to watch our game because it was more entertaining than theirs for a large part. So, um, <laughs> but it, it just shows, I, I think it highlights this home issue we have, you know, because away from home, we look so so much more comfortable. Whereas at home, and you can probably compare and contrast the two Leeds games, really, because in the one at home, we almost shot, well, we did shoot ourselves in the foot because we feel like we have to play a particular way. When we've shown tonight how you dismantle a lead side quite comfortably, if we if we're honest with it, and and we put those chances away, I, I thought it was a comfortable evening, other than the the ridiculous things that happened in the game. And I'm thinking, does that allude to what we should be more like when we're playing at home? In terms of, it, and, and I think even the commentator himself said the really intelligent point at the start: Everton haven't come here to have more of the ball, and and it feels like we're hamstrung by that when we play at home even though we don't have the fans there, they were obviously going to be baying for blood if we don't have more of the ball. So I think there might be some clues there that, that sort of allude to how we solve this home form. And it's going to infuriate me. I know for a fact, that unless we get in the top four this season, those three home defeats stick out like a sore thumb against Leeds, Newcastle and West Ham. Hmm. And people can say and tweet me all the time saying, oh, it doesn't matter because we've picked up points elsewhere. Those three to take no points from those three games is, is criminal, and you have to go some to then get in the Champions League. I think, and you know, you look. I think results have gone our way lately as well. We didn't suffer too much from the Newcastle setback tonight. Was a big statement, but we've got to go to Old Trafford next, isn't it? Is that Monday? Um, so you know, if you'd have said to me take three points from Leeds and uh, United away, I probably would take that. So. In my mind, it's a little bit of a free shot at Old Trafford. But then the madness of this season says to me that it isn't because we've dropped points against Leeds, Newcastle and West Ham at home. So, um, yeah, I, I just can't help that feeling of regret I'll, I'll have for the rest of the campaign, just, just simply because of the fantastic performances and results we've got away from home versus the ridiculous ones we've had at home. Um, so I'm trying to take each game individually on merit and... I think the first half was as good as Everton have been all season. Uh, Dave, I'll quickly come back to you because you know we'll, we'll, we'll wrap <laughs> around because there's loads of points we want to have through. Yeah, so we'll just uh, quickly run through these. But um, you mentioned Ben Godfrey there. I didn't want to start with him really in terms of you know individuals. I thought you know totally agree with the tweet you put out before in regards to him being head and shoulders above everything. Uh, first time he started in the Premier League as part of a, a centre back pairing for Everton. Let's not forget. Um, you know, the, the player you'd say is our most senior centre-back in Michael Keane wasn't there, but my word, that, that was a special display from him, wasn't it, tonight? He was he was absolutely fantastic. And it's just that, you know, I think we all know we've got a wonderful player on our hands, but when you see him just get dropped in into a position like that, run the show, look composed, win his tackles, win his blocks, and then that run in the first half where he slaloms up the pitch and doing Cruyff turns and holding onto the ball and all that sort of stuff. Um, looks like we've got a magnificent footballer on our hands. 
I don't know if you any of you guys saw it towards the end of the game, but there's a ball that goes out, a real 50-50 ball uh, between Godfrey and Luke Ayling, and he's running into far, far corner. And I think Ayling, if he'd have bothered himself, or maybe he was a little bit tired, I'm not too sure, could have sort of lunged into this. Yeah. And I'm almost certain you can see it on the replay. He has a glance at who it is and <laughs> just turns around and runs back into his right back slot, such as the fear of taking on Ben Godfrey in a physical sense. There was another point as well at that exact same side where, you know, when defenders sort of are twisting between letting it run out or maybe clearing it. <coughs> Excuse me. This is this has still got a good 10, 12 yards to roll before it goes out. And he decides, I'm just going to shoulder whoever's coming in for this ball. And he just, it just looks to me like he's, he's, he's already a top-class player. Not one that's got potential. Not one that I think... The cliches come with young players when they have good games. And this fella already looks like the finished article to me whenever we've played him. And I think it's a lot to do with his attitude as much as it's to do with his physical attributes because there's a there's a real confidence that's borderline arrogance, I would say, when he's on the pitch. Um, and it's infectious as well, I feel. I feel as if that's something that other players look to and think, Do you know what? this is something I can learn from. This is something I can pick up myself and put into my own game because he's comfortable on the ball. He's comfortable off the ball. His positional sense is superb. He can play offside traps. He can play deep. He can play high. He can run. He can chase. He'll do everything for you. And I'll tell you something. I've seen a few Arsenal fans, uh, baiting Everton fans a a couple of weeks ago, talking about how we missed out on Gabriel. And a lot of people reply and saying, yeah, I don't care. we got Ben Godfrey and I wouldn't swap him for the world. And, and that's pretty much where I'm at with him. I think he's an outstanding young footballer. And I tell you something right now, he, he, he just looks like he's got everything to be on, on the top level, on the top stage of Champions League footballer right now. I'm not talking about the future. I, I just, I, I trust him with everything. I trust him with absolutely everything in my life. Uh, I think he's that good of a footballer. And I think... He's going to have that big of a future in front of him. Um, and <laughs> he just seems to take it in his stride as well, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, continue waxing lyrical. Ben <laughs> Godfrey will be around to pick up the keys to Dave's house and car in the morning. He, yeah, he can take it all. I mean, yeah. He's going he's gonna to be the best man at your wedding. He's going to be your emergency contact. He's, <laughs> he's, he's immense. It's, so. I'll, I'll, I'll sleep in my car if he wants to come and live here. I, I don't really care. I, I just have that much love. An affection for this lad, and it's his yeah. first time starting in a back two. Mm. Incredible, just incredible. You said before, Dave, about like um, when when the ball fell at Andre Gomez's feet, you kind of felt just happy and, and content in life that the ball was there. Defensively, God, when's the last time you felt that, Mark? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we are going back to that first play <laughs> Gomez where we where we felt that, but and he was fantastic tonight. I think defensively. Ben Godfrey is probably the guy I'll speak about in very much the same ilk. Every Evertonian knows the feeling when Rafinha picks up the ball in the 18-yard box and goes one-on-one with Yeri Mina and your whole body freezes up in tension and you just can't watch until the ball's in the opposition half. Conversely, when it's Ben Godfrey, you're almost willing the opposition to attack Ben Godfrey one-on-one because the sense of calm you feel when the ball is anywhere within 10 yards of him is like nothing we've ever felt from any defensive player at Everton. I mean, it, it's almost comical when a Leeds player tries to knock the ball 15 yards and try and outpace him around the outside because 
you, you almost feel sorry for them because there's absolutely no way, be it by speed or sheer strength, that they get absolutely any change out of the lad. Um, he also looks incredibly comfortable on the ball. I mean, I, I, I can't even describe the passage of play which led to him doing a bit of a half Maradona turn and coming out from three Leeds players in the middle of the pitch in the first half. But it happened, and I'm not surprised because it's him. Um, but yeah, for, for a first performance at centre-half, all of the defensive things which we knew he could do well, he did well, and we're not surprised by that. But I also th- felt he looked really comfortable on the ball. That, that's something that yeah. Michael Keane has been really, really good at this season. I think Keane, of all the people, has really bought into Ancelotti's philosophy of being purposeful on the ball, finding forward passes, as opposed to just knocking things to the left-back and to the other centre-half just to, just to pass the time. And Ben Godfrey looks as ambitious on the ball as what Keane has and what you are, you imagine Ancelotti wants him to be. Um, you, you talk about him trying to find... We're trying to shoehorn the lad into the side. Almost, almost immediately after 90 minutes in his favourite position, Carlo Ancelotti's got a massive headache going into Saturday's game against Man United because, in my mind, on the back of I appreciate only one game, it's incredibly difficult to take him out of, yes, the lineup, but also out of the centre of defence. Um, so th- there's some massive decisions to make, and we all know that these are the best decisions for a Premier League manager to to have to make. But it, it sounds it sounds incredibly flippant to say in January or February of his first season, but he is unmissable as far as Everton go in terms of going into Premier League games. He simply has to be involved at all costs. Mason Holgate is a close second in that conversation. And to be talking about young lads, and I think that that's what that's what pleases me about all of the game management elements that we spoke about earlier on is that all of this maturity is coming from the 23 and 22 year olds of the squad and even lower. It's it's the the building of personalities and the building of men that Carlo Ancelotti looks so capable of, as opposed to solely developing the footballer and the technique element. I think Everton have had a lot of good technically gifted footballers over the last few years and done absolutely nothing with it. And I think so many other top Premier League sides have shown us that footballing ability, whilst incredibly useful, is not solely going to bring you home silverware. It, you, you need to have that integrity of character, which people like Ben Godfrey have obviously got in abundance. It, it, it's clear to see where his strengths lie, and it is in his character. Um, regardless of who wears that piece of fabric around their, around their, their arm that says captain on, I appreciate Guilfi Sigurdsson's never going to be the, the captain figure that we need, but my God, Ben Godfrey is that man every single time he takes to the pitch. Yeah, and there's, there's a nice thing you put on Twitter, Robert half time. There's a nice blend in that partnership with with me, you know. And I think what what it what it did actually was allowed <coughs> us to be that left back and not get too worried about being caught on that left hand channel because Ben Godfrey's got the pace to, to cover that area of the pitch and be allowed Dini to get forward a bit more freely, certainly in the first half, up until the point where you know he, he gets the assist for that opening goal. Well, and if you're if you subscribe to the theory of center halves needing to form a very complementary partnership in terms of their respective skills, this is this is probably more what you have in mind. Um, if you go back to sort of the idea that 
well, God, you know, I think people were saying at one point, well, Godfrey and Holgate are one type and Mina and, and Keen are one type. And then you choose one from each and then you have a partnership. And I think it's more complex than that. And I think it's more nuanced than that. And to the discussion about Ben Godfrey, I don't frankly think any of our center halves are quite like Godfrey. And by the way, I, I don't know that Godfrey has even come close yet to discovering all the things still that he can do. And I still think as much as we're wowed by this, I still think there are areas that, that uh, he can improve upon mainly because I don't want to believe at his age that there is nothing left for him to, to develop. <laughs> I, 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 I think that's what's so exciting about him is that there is, there is going to be more and there's such, there's so much to work with there. Um, you know, Mark brings up a point that I I have wondered about since probably December when Luca Dean was out, which is what happens if Ben Godfrey and Yeri Mina and Michael Keane keep, uh, and, and to a degree Holgate though, I, I kind of thought Holgate struggled a little bit today, um, though I, I still would rather have him starting <laughs> right back than than um, than Seamus Coleman at this point in terms of, of starting games. I, I still think Coleman has an important role, but I I do think Holgate should be starting games. But if you're talking about the center half position, I Holgate is. Uh, in, I mean, of course, we're talking about uh, a really great problem to have compared to other sides in the league who are just they're using they're using any player with a pulse at center half right now. I mean, Holgate's probably my fourth out of those four, but that's not really a that's that's not really a criticism of Holgate in terms of of his ability as a center half. It's just that he's pr primarily played the season as a right back, um, and and I, I I feel like as incomplete or in well not incomplete as imperfect as you could look at Keen and Mina and say their partnership has been they have been a very effective partnership who is, has been paired to win a lot of games. So it will be fascinating to see where Holgate, uh, where Godfrey ultimately goes. But the only thing I'll say is the thing I've been saying now, and I've been banging on this drum for weeks. Sometimes as much as we talk about positions, there are players who are just simply magnificent football players and you find a way to get them on the pitch. You find a way to accommodate them. Um, whether he is playing as a fullback, a center half, a midfielder, uh, my God, you know, put him up front and see if <laughs> see if a back four wants to mess with with him for a while. I I think Godfrey is just a great footballer. Um, I don't know that I'm ready to make him my emergency contact yet. He's pretty young, but <laughs> I do think that he's got a ton of promise. So long term, I think that's an interesting question of of. I don't think you can have this much money and resources and what have you tied up in four center halves. So I do think that something will have to give this summer, but I, I think anyone who claims they know what the answer is, uh, is, is really speculating at this point. I think Godfrey, we know, uh, is, has got a future moving forward here as, as a future star, but I think there are still a lot of open questions, but either way, our defense is playing, I think overall really well. They've, they've been very good, good together and um it, what a problem to have <laughs> what a problem to have absolutely uh, let's quickly read through some comments then we'll rattle through some more before we uh, wrap up uh neil h i don't think i've seen a center off at everton with both the acceleration and the strength of godfrey yeah uh, unbelievable stephen jameson agreed they ben godfrey's a top player and over time would prove as good as our last center half capture from norwich who was that davy watson Mm -hmm. Dave Watson, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, do, do you know it's interesting that, that that comparison, Mark, just quickly, because Dave Watson never, ever, ever had pace. So 
Uh, and, and Godfrey, I think Rob's point there is an excellent one. He doesn't seem to have a weakness. You don't often see both of the same things at um, at sort of in the one player. You normally see them, you know, multiple players or they've got one strength and not the other. He seems to have the lot, doesn't he? Follow on ball. Yeah. What's the thing called? The golden boy, is it? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Tom Davis nominee, Ben Godfrey winner. Uh, the 60 uh, seconds left of the field, by the way. Godfrey. Who's bothered about them? Forget about me. Them. Me, oh, because we're four behind them with two games in hand now. I'm not, I'm not fussed. But uh, Dave Mack said, uh, uh, Dave sent Godfrey your best car. <laughs> I'll try and get him to sign it and then we'll give it away on the blue room. I'll try and do that. <laughs> I'll sign it as well and devalue it for you. Charity auction will raise a fortune. Uh, just a, a couple more points very, very quickly before we wrap up. Uh, the goalkeeper, Robin Olsen, briefly mentioned him, uh, but, you know, as Dave said, he made three really, really good saves on the back of a, a really bad error. I sort of thought if that was picked, then he made two good saves and let the third one in, we'd be giving him loads of stick. Um, so maybe a bit of context in regards to that. But I thought overall, and this is to anyone who wants to jump, jump in on this quickly, I thought overall he was he was fine again tonight and did the, the basic things pretty well. Looks pretty secure. And as Les has just put on Twitter there, his hands are absolutely enormous. Looks like he's got oven gloves on. Yeah. I think from a handling point of view in general, I, I feel I feel quite safe when he's coming out for, for crosses. Or I mean, the, the compromise you make is that he's not fantastic on the floor. But I think we were all ready to make those compromises in terms of being so technically gifted on the floor because we just want to see him make basic saves and come and do basic goalkeeping things and um, the, the biggest compliment I could pay him tonight is that for large spells I forgot that we'd made that change I, I forgot that he even played for Evan and and that that's exactly the type of goalkeeper that we've we've craved since this downturn in, in Jordan Pickford's form um, I, I don't think we've come as close to heart attack football as we did for that 90 seconds when <laughs> Leeds had 47 shots on target um, but I, I know it sounds easy to say it but we, we've seen those shots squirm into the corner of the net in, in the last six to eight months um, as much as it we, we all collectively thought that that was going to happen with that shot from the outside of the box because that's what we've become so accustomed to um, but yeah ab- absolute top credit to him and as long as this continues for the duration of Jordan Pickford's injury what I want to see is good form warranted with continued first-team opportunities. If he continues to make good saves, continues to be safe at the back, and we go on a relatively decent run of form, then there's absolutely no way that he should be pulled out of that 11. And, and we all hope, for, for mainly the form point of view, that that, that that is the case. When's the last time we had a backup keeper this good? Mm-hmm. Say I say this good, he's only played a few games, but... When have you had the confidence you have in him being between the sticks rather than, you know, you can go through them over the years, can't you? Luca, all, all of that fodder, so when they've had to come in, have invariably let us down. And like, that's, the, a the huge that... insult. that's a huge insult to the man who slew the uh, Bournemouth away demon in Joel Robles, but that's that's <laughs> fine. And we had Joel. He was better than Standard our... poor Joel, but yeah. No, I had, uh, I, I, had right, I had a, a lot of faith for far too long in Joel Robles, <laughs> to the point where I mean a lot of people who listen to our content will know my eye out with Tim Howard over the years, oh, and I was, yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I was enthusiastically pushing Joel to go and go for a long time. He did. He got his chance. He did quite well. 
and then uh, Anfield in 2016 happened. When he just uh, stopped. When he, when he basically just stopped. Yeah, he was that scared of actually trying to save. Uh, I think it was Sadio Mane's opening goal. He just stood there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this guy's better than Joel. I will, I will put my neck on the line and say that. Uh, Rob, you got anything you want to say about uh, Olsen? I mean, I I feel in some ways like my my general opinion about this issue is very much on the record. Uh, you can go back into all of the blue blue room uh, archives and find it, but I'll I'll frame it a different way um, by kind of asking a, a, a rhetor- somewhat of a rhetorical question: Has Robin Olson started a game this season where afterwards you felt like he had done anything to get dropped in the next game? And and I don't and I think the answer is no. I think he has. Every time he has been called upon, he has been, you know, sometimes solid and unspectacular, but sometimes quite good. And today, I think, was was certainly the biggest argument he has made uh, that if you don't necessarily want to get into the whole question of is he our long term, uh, should he get 10 games in a row or what have you. I mean, you, we can debate those sorts of questions, but I do think the one thing that is undebatable, at least as far as I'm concerned, is that Robin Olsen has absolutely earned to start the next game in the league. And that's what I want to see. And I, and I think if he does it again, he should keep playing because we're always told this is a meritocracy. Um, if Jordan Pickford comes back in off the back of this performance, um, or off the back of a couple of really solid Robin Olsen performances, then to me that smacks of contract dictating or money spent dictating decisions uh, in terms of, of who plays. And, and I just don't, I don't think that, I think that it's easier, it's easy to say, well, you can't just play a guy because he makes a lot of money. And I know that it can be a nuanced conversation, but I think I think Robin Olson has surprised all of us in that a lot. I think we all thought we were just getting essentially a a warm body that might possibly be better than Giannis Lossel. Uh, he's been way better than advertised, and and I and I think that uh, on the evidence of this, if if we had gotten Sergio Romero in and he had played like this, I think we would all be saying, "See, we told you, we knew, we knew he was going to be pretty good." I think a lot of us are still just kind of surprised because we didn't know who Robin Olsen I didn't know who Robin Olsen even was and and so not not that that means much but I I think that that he has earned the next start and that's what I'll focus on um I I think that um I I think that those kinds of decisions on every player have to sometimes be made based on run of form last game what have you but but Robin Olsen to me deserves to start uh the next game and and that's what I'm hoping we see yeah there's loads of players we haven't even mentioned here but we are Getting close to run out of time. Carver Lewin scoring the winner, backing the goals again. Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson. Played really well Just like we all thought, Matt. <laughs> yeah, uh, you come back and watch, watch the score back. Uh, me and Les did not say why he's in the team or anything like that. Uh, we were very supportive of, uh, of Carver's decision. But the, the last thing I want to think of, want to finish on, is, is that the worst non-VAR decision we've seen all season? Oh, oh don't start with that. Don't spoil it. I don't give a shit about that because we won the game. Because we've got we've we've got so much into this cry arsing now about unfair VAR decisions. Let's just enjoy the game. I don't want to talk about it. I'd I'd rather have drawn and got the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> that's there the most emoji shout I've ever heard right there. <laughs> hey, you know, the thing that's the thing too is I 
I want to hear what is is the explanation. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is the is the explanation we're going to get on that that because there were no Everton players kind of remonstrated, you know, like you know, making a fuss and or that if if the VAR is there is only really there to correct an egregious decision by the referee. It's like it just feels like it's a, it feels like on the one hand you're relying on VAR, but then you're also requiring that Everton uh, notice something that because there are things that are very obvious on television that that if they're looking in a bunch of different directions they may not have noticed, but yet are still clearly handball and 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 should be a penalty. I just don't think after all this time I still have a sense of what triggers a review. And to me, I, if, if you're not going to do it for that, um, yeah. I'm not one of these people who says you should just get rid of VAR. I think the problem is those who administer it, but yeah, that that's embarrassing. And, and in a two, one game like tonight, imagine how much we'd be talking about it right now, if the results had been different tonight. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but I was already put me place by Dave there. So we'll, we'll leave it. Uh, <laughs> we've just spoken. It, hang on. We've just spoken about it at length. It's fine. And the point is, I think when the commentator says, <laughs> I think when the commentator says what Rob said there about the appeal is not strong enough, I think that that's a little bit of an interesting point. That because the VAR isn't going to be inclined to to check it unless players are outraged, um, which is completely wrong, of course. But I think there's there's something in that um, that you know everybody isn't running up, gathering around the referee. Look, maybe, maybe that's Everton's naivety. If that's what it takes to get a penalty, it absolutely shouldn't. But, you know, if that's why it hasn't been given. But also, yeah, it's the incompetence of the officials at the end of the day, isn't it? Like it's always been in, in these things that nobody's bothered to check it when you know, I think there'll be, what, maybe half a dozen to a dozen sets of eyes on the game who are yeah. meant to be impartial. Somebody should be spotting that. So it's referee incompetence. There you go. Good to get Dave's thoughts on VAR after all. <laughs> yeah, you know, I tricked him into giving his opinion. Uh, no, I know too well oh. after all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we, <laughs> we will leave it there. Uh, thanks very much to Mark, Rob, and Dave. If you want more from us, I'm doing Blue Room Breakfast in the morning, looking back at the reaction from that game. Uh, if you sign up on Patreon, you'll have a new podcast in your feed, podcast app, whatever you want to call it, every single morning. Multiple Everton shows going out every day. And why don't you want more content about this bananas football team and this crazy season? As Everton go to Manchester United on Saturday, who knows what's going to happen there? So that's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. If you want to hear more from us. But yeah, thanks very much to the lads. Enjoy what's left of your Wednesday night up the top. Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. The Toyota Hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style. Not to mention top tech to help keep you connected. Plush premium interiors and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So, now you know who you're talking to. Toyota, the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. With a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, dear gas prices? Do you really think you can stand in our way? Think again. Toyota Hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Based on manufacturer estimates, CY 2000 through 2021 sales. Sports Social Podcast Network.